0: How's everyone doing? Welcome back to the Breaking the Goal Line podcast. I am your host, Russell Goddard. Recording this on a Monday, uh, April 19th, and that means we're just 10 days away from the draft. Just getting closer and closer. As always, we're getting to some of that. Uh, gonna finish uh, out the teens in uh, my mock draft today, so a couple couple good teams in there, a couple hard decisions. Uh, but before we do that, as always, I'm gonna keep hammering it home. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me uh, if you can, if you have, thank you so much, uh, it really does help, so if you like the show, go ahead and do so, also, if you listen on Apple iTunes, go ahead and leave me a review, you like the show, you hate the show, one star, three star, five stars, doesn't matter, go ahead and leave me a review, uh, if you can, and if you have, thank you so much, I appreciate all you guys. So Trey Lance's second pro day is today, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are both going to be there, which they should be. They have the third overall pick. This is a quarterback that they could definitely take with their first pick in the first round. And now just 10 days away from the draft, all we heard last week after Justin Fields' second pro day was, yeah, it looks like it's probably going to be Fields. I think they're going to take Fields now. Are they going to take Fields? I don't know if it's going to be Mac Jones anymore. And now look at it. Monday, today, April 19th, everything's back on Mac Jones. It just kind of—it was just like a two-day little honeymoon kind of fantasy over Justin Fields, and we—they just flipped it back to Mac Jones. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Trey Lance tomorrow or Wednesday. They're going to come out and it's going to be like, you know, there's a good chance that Trey Lance is going to be this guy. He had, he really wowed him at his pro day. He wowed Kyle at his pro day. Kyle doesn't need to be wowed at a pro day. To me, that's the that's so that's just an ignorant statement to me. Stupid. Like, oh yeah, he wowed this coach at his pro day enough to take him number three overall. So that means he must have liked him right then and there. What he saw throwing with absolutely no pads on to his teammates against air, liked like that wowed him enough than what he did on the field from his tape, talking to him one on one. Like you don't know, you don't wow somebody at a pro day. They just want to see. How can you throw this ball and this route, move around, things like that nature. They're not looking to be wowed, but the thing, same thing is going to happen with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is going to come out and, he's going to, and it's going to be, Trey, it could be Trey Lance. And then in a couple of days, come the end of the week, it's going to be all about Mac Jones again. So Mike Lombardi, a former scout, he's like the, one of the top Patriot scouts with for Bill for like three, four years. He came out, he's a pretty connected guy, pretty connected, came out and said, the Niners are not gonna take fields at three. The pick will be Mac Jones. Peter King and I think Albert Breer, they both said the same thing. They both say it's gonna be Mac Jones. Now, Peter King and Mike Lombardi, when they listen when they talk, I listen. I don't always agree with it. I don't always believe what they're saying, but I listen to them when they talk. Two guys very knowledgeable about the game, know what they're talking about. So I listen to when they talk. It doesn't mean I agree. And I don't agree on this. I don't think it's gonna be Mac Jones. And if you would have told me two weeks ago, two months ago, hell, if you would have told me two days ago, the Niners take Mac Jones, I would have, at number three, I would have laughed in your face. I'm like, no, they're not. They'd be like, yeah, I think they're going to take Mac Jones. I would have laughed in your face and said, no, they're not. How can they possibly take Mac Jones? I, I would have been floored, shocked. But now I'm sitting here and I don't think I'm going to be as shocked if they do take him. I mean, it doesn't mean I do think they're going to take him and it doesn't mean I, I think it's the right move, but I don't, I'm not going to be as floored as I would have been a couple days ago because a lot of people that I, trust what what they say in this industry is saying so that doesn't mean i believe it or i agree with it but if it happens i can't be ignorant to the fact that mac jones can't go number three that it's impossible for mac jones to go number three i can't i'm not going to be ignorant to that fact mac jones could go number three i think it's going to be justin fields or trey lance one of the two if it's mac jones i'm not going to be as shocked on draft night at the number third spot now i will have an opposing opinion than kyle shanahan but you know kyle shanahan's in the nfl for a reason so Just, he doesn't give a shit what my opposing opinion is. But here's my pushback on all this. The San Francisco 49ers are probably the most buttoned up operation in the league, other than, I don't know, the Patriots, who don't say anything at press conferences. The the Niners are buttoned up, quiet. They do not gossip. When John Lynch got hired to be the GM three years ago, he, he was very adamant, that it would be a hush-hush operation. He didn't want that getting out, that he was going to take the job. He didn't want anything in the whole organization getting out. He took the job. Nobody knew, because it never got out. He was still an employee at Fox when he took the job. He accepted the job and was still an employee at Fox. Nobody heard a thing about it. The next day, it was John Lynch is taking the general manager job for the San Francisco 49ers, and everyone went, what? Really? We didn't hear anything. No, you didn't hear anything about that. Because that's how Kyle likes it, and that's how John likes it. And that's why one of the reasons why Kyle hired John. Very like-minded. There was a story that John told like a year after he got hired about how he leaked a fake big story to some players and staff members on the Niners just to see if it would get out. And it never did. This was a a fake story, big story in the operation. He never said what it was, and it never got out. Never got out to the media, never got out to anybody, not Adam Schefter calling their guys, nothing. Guys, former scouts or players or anything that's still, that, that, uh, that played in the league, it's still have friends that are playing in the league or, or maybe they're members of the coaching staff that they communicate with and try to get the inside scoop, never got out. Last year, they traded during the draft. What was it? Was it the third round? I think it was day two. during the third round, they traded for Trent Williams. And apparently they'd been at, going after him for months before that. Never heard a word that that's who they're trying to get from anybody. Tron Williams was a secret. And a month ago, they traded up to number three in this year's draft. And you never heard a word about before they made the jump. Or that they were looking to trade up or trade back. Never, Never a peep. Not a peep out of anybody in that organization. This team does not let stuff out. And now, 10 days before the draft, I'm supposed to believe... That the floodgates just all of a sudden open, and they told like nine or ten reporters that Mac Jones is the guy at number three. And it would have been like, what, that would have been like two months ago? Oh yeah, you know, we've kept everything hush-hush for the five years I've been here now, but hey, you know what? We're gonna take Mac Jones at three. What? They don't let anything out? Ever. If they let it out, they wanted it to be out. They want you to think this way. They 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 want you to, if they let something out, it's because they wanted it to be out. Now look, Peter King, Albert Breer, Lombardi, they all could have talked to Kyle. They they could have talked to Kyle. Kyle could have been like, "Yeah, I do like Mac Jones. This is what I like about him." He could have said the same about the other guys. Maybe his voice got a little higher when he talked about Mac Jones. Maybe, you know, but Kyle didn't say, "Hey, yeah, Peter, we're going to go we're going to take Mac at number 3." No, Kyle would never let anybody know who he's taking outside of the probably I don't know. Maybe seven people that know. Most of the scouts don't even know who they're taking. They're not even in those. They're not even in the room. The only people that know are the people that are in the draft room, the war room, when that happens, when these meetings take place. When Kyle made the trade, because I guarantee you, there's no way Kyle didn't not know who the Jets were taking at two, or at least we very confident with the conversation he had with Sala and Douglas that it was gonna be either one of these guys. So he traded up for number three and circled his guy, whoever may be. Hell, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. I don't know. But he knew he was who he was going to get when he traded up. So all these pro days, they're just just kind of walkthroughs. You go through, you go to all of them because Kyle's orchestrating them. Trey Lance wouldn't have a second pro day if Kyle Shanahan would have went to his first one. There'd be no need. Justin Fields wouldn't have had a a second pro day if Kyle Kyle Shanahan would have went to his first one. There's no need. But because he picks at three, they they want to have a second pro day for him, and he wants to have a second pro day because he wants to seem like, yeah, I've been to all two, all three of these guys. I've been to both of their pro days. You know, all three of these guys are on the table, and you know, we might be leaning Mac Jones. You know, that, that might that that's kind of like the hype out of there. You don't you don't hear that from any of them. You're not going to. Maybe that's the way Kyle wants it. So someone comes up and takes Mac Jones or whatever it is. I don't know. I think a lot of these people, these reporters. The, the media the people on the inside are trying to connect Mac Jones to Kyle Shanahan because he's the quote unquote safe pick he has the highest floor he's he's pro ready right now he he's he fits in your uh your your style of quarterback your offense he he's safe Kyle doesn't take risks he's the less risky guy. you know what I say to all that That's all bullshit. Kyle's been taking swing after swing his whole coaching career. Let's go back to Atlanta, when he was on the Falcons, in the Super Bowl. He had a huge lead going into the second half, and what did he do? He kept trying to score points. He kept trying to take that number one offense, and his MVP quarterback kept trying to get in the end zone. Whether you think he should have ran it more, not throw as much, whatever it is, that's not on him. That's on the head coach. He's the OC. His job is to score points, and Kyle wanted to score points, because he looked across and the, the way, and he saw Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, you can't score. There's, there's no amount of points that's too many points when you're playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And Kyle's going to do what got him there the whole year. He's going to throw the football because that's what they did. That's what they were good at. That's what he kept doing. He was still aggressive because he wanted to be aggressive and put Tom Brady down. That's what you do. It's what good ones do. They recognize that there's great on the other side and at no point in the game are you safe. I don't care if you're up 23-3 to or 26-3, to whatever the hell it was. You put your foot on your throat and you finish the game. You keep scoring points. That's what Kyle tried to do. Now he ended up losing. He ended up losing that Super Bowl. But that Super Bowl's not on Kyle Shanahan. That Super Bowl's on Dan Quinn not telling Kyle Shanahan to run the football if he wanted to run more. Kyle's doing what he's doing. He's calling his plays. He's not calling anybody else's plays. He's not... You can't worry about, really, what's going on. You gotta worry about what you control, your plays, what your guys run... Your system, what you've worked on all year, what got you here, finish it off. I would say that's pretty aggressive. That's not, that that, that takes risk in that. Kyle literally could have came out and been like, all right, guys, we're just going to hand it off. I don't care. Every play, just a handoff. We'll do some dinks and dunks here and there, but we're up big, so we're just going to play it safe. He didn't play it safe. He tried to put his foot on Tom Brady's throat, and like almost everybody else in the history of this league that Tom Brady's gone against, they lost. Because Tom Brady doesn't get his fucking throat smashed in, okay? He does the throat smashing. Then Kyle took the Niners job. First year, no quarterback. They were terrible. Second year, makes the trade for Jimmy G. And then the third year, goes to a Super Bowl. And last year, during the draft, we already talked about this trade. He went up and traded for an all-pro tackle that some people said was over his prime and was washed up because he's in his early 30s. And then a month ago, just made him the highest paid offensive lineman in the league. And a month ago... He traded away three first round picks and a third round pick to move up to the number three spot in this year's NFL draft to take a rookie quarterback. And everyone, everyone wants to say Kyle doesn't take chances. Everyone wants to say Kyle plays it safe. No, he doesn't. He doesn't overpay for guys. He doesn't keep running backs that had good seasons and pay them a lot of money because he knows he can get rid of that running back because there's three running backs that he can make that running back that come out of the draft every single year. There's no reason to pay guys like that. Some of the guys that he let go and let go walk, whatever. He doesn't take big risks in the free in the offseason because he doesn't need to pay those guys that much money. Cuz Kyle's the guy that can get all of this juice out of the tiny little orange. He can get more juice than you can out of your regular size orange out of his little what are they? The cutie, called the cutie's the little baby oranges. Kyle gets more juice out of that than you can get out of your normal size orange. He doesn't need to go out and pay all that money to the best wide receiver, best running back, whoever it is. If it's an offensive lineman, that's different because that's what Kyle, Kyle knows you got to win in the trenches. He needs offensive linemen like Trent Williams. Kyle takes nothing but chances. And Kyle did not move to the third spot in the, in the draft to play it safe, to just say, you know what guys, we're going to give away this much and we're just going to play it safe. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take a swing. Fields or Lance. And I honestly, I feel like I'm on an island by myself with this now. That the fact that this Mac Jones stuff is all a smokescreen. I feel like I'm on an island with very few people. I know very few people that think this way, and that's okay. I mean, media, all them people, most people, they think it's Mac Jones. I think it's a smokescreen. I'm by myself, but I'll stand here by myself. But like I said earlier, though, if it is Mac Jones, my jaw's not gonna hit the floor as much as it would have a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. It's just not. I'm not ignorant to the fact it could be Mac Jones. I just don't think that's. I don't think that's Kyle Shanahan's mo. I think everyone's painting him to be the safe guy, the guy that that, that doesn't take risks, but then he just traded away three first-rounders and a third-rounder to jump up and get a rookie quarterback when he does have a Super Bowl-caliber roster on his team. How do you even know that rookie's going to be any good? I'd say that's a swing in its own. And then you're going to go out and take Mac Jones at the, at the, the, as the safe pick. This These sound like contradictions to me. You're calling him someone that plays it safe, but yet what he's done in the last year with getting Trent Williams, with paying him all that money, with now trading to get to the third overall pick, how are those safe plays? Those are aggressive moves. And you're just going to, you're going to contradict it by saying he's going to take the safe guy. So you made aggressive moves to just take the safe bet. That doesn't make any sense. I made all these aggressive moves to get this $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 and I'm just going to put it in a low yield bond. Something that'll just save up for like, you know, a hundred years. No, I want to invest in Uber. I want to invest in Apple. I don't want to invest in nothing. Something that's just going to, you know, my money will, it'll just sit there. It's going to play it safe. If I lose, it'll just be a little bit. And if I gain, you know, it won't be too much, but it'll be a gain. That's not how Kyle plays it. And that's how, that's how everyone making it seem how Kyle plays the game. Kyle doesn't play the game like that. This guy is mind fucking you. I guarantee it. There's a reason why he's like best friend is the Bill Belichick. Who, what does Bill Belichick do? He mind fucks you. He'll stand on the sideline, look at the opposing coach, and you are getting mind fucked at that very moment. And this is what Kyle's doing. It's just, I, I just think it's ignorant that people think this. It's, it's ignorant to me. Kyle just takes nothing but risks and he's going to take a risk. And if it's Mac, if Mac Jones is a risk. Shit, you tell me he's the safest bet. I'm telling you he's the biggest risk on the board. <laughs> so any guy that he takes, it's a, it, it's an aggressive, risky play. It's something that a Super Bowl caliber coach does. So we'll see what Kyle takes. I think it's going to be Fields or Justin. I guess my, my, my head won't explode if it's Mac Jones anymore, but I can't get behind it. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence came out last week. Uh, and said some comments. Now, not all of them were him. I think some of it was from his dad and his high school football coach. You know, that he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. And football doesn't define him. It, it's not everything in his life. You can't draft him. He doesn't have high football character. Does he love the game? He could leave at any time. Isn't that true about every player every year? C- can't any, any, any player gets drafted any in, in, in year, any position, any time. They just decide that, hey, they don't want to play this anymore. Yes, it it happens every year. Look, I don't care if football is what Trevor Lawrence lives and breathes every day. Clearly, he's a smart young man. He's been successful his whole life at everything he does. Why should he have a chip on his shoulder? Do we have to make up a chip to be on his shoulder so that he can be a successful quarterback in this league? You have to walk in with a chip on your shoulder? No. Why? Did John Elway have a chip on his shoulder when he came in? Did Andrew Luck have a chip on his shoulder when he came in? Guys that were successful and smart, both those guys, both those guys went to Stanford. Both of them were really smart and secure in who they are, and so is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Andrew Luck pretty much said the exact same thing, that he could walk away from the game and he could be okay, and he did, and he's okay. Does that mean that Andrew Luck wasn't any good? No, because for five years, Andrew Luck was a top five quarterback in this league, and if he didn't play behind probably the worst offensive line I've ever seen, he'd still be playing today. If he wanted to, just because he he doesn't want to be defined as an NFL player or let it take over his life, doesn't mean he's not going to be a great player because he is and he will be. And hey, maybe after four years or so, he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. Then that's what he decides. That's his life. If he doesn't, if he turns out he doesn't want to play anymore, he doesn't want to play. People are making it out to seem like, all right, well, Trevor Lawrence hits a little speed bump in his perfect life that he's gone through. You know, he's probably just going to bail out and quit. What makes anybody think that? I mean, was he just not going to come in and work hard or put in the work? And doesn't want to be a good quarterback? He came back out. I think it was yesterday or today. Retweeted. You know, people are taking my, my uh, a lot some of what I said out of context. I do want to play hard. I want to be. I, I have a passion to be the greatest. That's all you need. You need someone that wants to play this game, that loves to play this game. You can love to play this game or watch this game or do it, and not you know live, eat, and die by it, and not be Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. You don't have to be Tom Brady. I mean, look, I know I'm giving examples of winners here, but <laughs> you don't have to be those guys. People are making a big deal about this. It's not a big deal. Look, Trevor Lawrence is going to come in. He's going to work his ass off to try to be the best because that's what he did at Clemson. One of the best programs in the, in the nation. He did that for three years and he was the best quarterback in the nation for three years. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to come in and work his ass off, and he's very talented. And he knows that. So can we please, please, just take a chill pill on this and let the 21-year-old kid be okay with not being defined as just an NFL quarterback? Who knows what other aspirations he has for life? He, he's smart. He probably knows that his NFL career could end at any moment. He, already gra- he graduated early from Clemson, or he's about to graduate or something. The kid's smart. He, he's, he's marketable. Look at his face, his hair. He's a marketable guy. He knows that. He can, he can have a broadcasting, anything. He can go on TV. He can do Jeopardy. Like when Aaron Rodgers decides to retire from the NFL and go do Jeopardy. And then when Aaron Rodgers decides to retire from Jeopardy, that could be Trevor Lawrence. So there you go. So we got the next 20 years panned out of Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence on Jeopardy. Who, who cares? As long as he loves to play the game is what I care about. How are you on game day and in the huddle and in the locker room? with your teammates and yourself. That's what I care about. I don't care that when you go home, you wanna throw on Scooby-Doo and eat a bowl of Cheerios instead of watching that game tape. As long as eventually you watch it, or you're watching a film, you're paying attention. If you're involved, you don't have to live and breathe it. You don't have to pay a trainer $4 million to come with you on every vacation. You can just train at home. I understand that. You know, maybe he doesn't wanna have a 20-year career. Maybe he just hey I'm gonna get the most out of it for ten years. If I still love it, I'll keep playing. If I don't, then maybe it's time to walk away. I want my quarterback to love playing the game, and I want him to love his teammates. That's something a quarterback really has to he has to love his teammates. For, for me, that's 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 where you get the best quarterbacks is when you love your teammates and you love the game. And I think I see I see that in Trevor Lawrence from all angles. But the dude, pretty much, I, I, is he married yet to that to that girl? I mean. I think so. I think they, they just got engaged or something, got a wedding gift. They're probably going to pop out a kid here soon. I, I don't understand. I feel like Patrick Mahomes probably feels the same way. Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence probably look at life the exact same way. I want to know why, because they're both very good looking and successful quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, going to be, maybe Trevor, probably be successful, but successful at what they do now. I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes probably like, yeah, my, I just signed a massive deal. My career can end at any moment. I, I can go do something else. He's a smart guy. Some of these guys, all they have is football. Some of these guys, all they have had is football since they were freaking five. That's all they've they've all they had is football. That's not all Trevor Lawrence has. That's not all he wants to do. And that's okay. Let the 21-year-old kid be 21. Let him grow. Let him mature in his own ways. Let him love what he wants to love. I don't know why we're telling this. I don't know why we're making such a big deal. It's not like he came out and said, yeah, I don't really know if I want to play. You know, I, I'll see. No, he wants to play. He wants to be great. You don't win a national championship and go to the college football playoff every year. You know, if you don't want to be great, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Let the 21-year-old kid, leave Leave him alone. Okay, let's get in a little mock draft time. Today we got 16 through 20 Arizona Cardinals, Las Vegas Raiders, the Miami Dolphins, Washington, Chicago. So uh, some good teams there, a couple playoff teams, a couple teams that almost made the playoffs, and then you have the Raiders. So 16 through 20 today. Gonna be good. Uh, a lot of tough decisions, but a lot of I think a lot of actual spots that these teams are gonna be targeting some of these players here. So let's start it off with number sixteen, the Arizona Cardinals. You are on the clock. Okay, so honestly, here at sixteen, the Cardinals they really need some secondary help. They lost Patrick Peterson to Minnesota. You know they still got some young guys. They got Buda Baker. As as a safety, By, uh, Byron Murphy, young corner out of Washington. They signed Alfred and uh, Malcolm Butler, but a a good corner here. And one of those big top three would have been nice. But unfortunately, the top three corners are gone. So I think the Cardinals look have to look at their board. You know, we the Cardinals, I'm the general manager of the Cardinals. We look at our board and we got to take BPA here. And we look at BPA. We look at BPA. We look who's on the board. So we go Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. Out of Alabama. A speedy playmaking receiver. I mean, the dude can just jump right into any any pro game. It doesn't matter who drafts him. He's going to be able to jump right in and have an immediate impact on you. I really think he can have a Tyree Kill type of impact on the league. On, on defenses when they play him. Because he's just so fast. And he's just such a playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. He can just go at any moment. I mean, with the signing of A.J. Green and James Conner. Getting Waddle here. I mean, we'll no doubt put the Cardinals offense as the forefront of a top five offense of the league. And, and a really tricky offense to stop if Cliff and Kyler can take the next step forward and they can really evolve this offense, this will be a very tough offense to stop here with Jalen Waddell. Number 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. You are on the clock. Raiders here at 17. Defense, defense, defense. defensive to help for the Raiders is a must speed in particular they are so slow on defense it's just like watching a bunch of fat guys trying to run through mud it's terrible so right here 17 they're gonna get linebacker jeremiah owasu koromoa out of notre dame owasu is a linebacker safety hybrid fast i think he ran a 5-4-5 he brings a lot of speed and quickness to the defense in the middle of the field the secondary you know you can line them up in a bunch of different positions yeah, he's a, he, he, he's good in coverage, he can cover linebackers, cover receivers, he can cover uh, running backs out of the flats, and he makes plays on the ball everywhere he goes. He's a, He fills gaps really well. Now, there is some trouble of him getting off blocks, being able to get off a block and make a play, but this dude is going to bring instant speed and quickness to a defense that really needs it and a high motor and playmaking capabilities to just an atrocious black hole defense. Number 18, the Miami Dolphins with their second first round selection. You are on the clock. So sitting here at 18 with the Dolphins. At number six, we took Rashawn Slater, tackle out of Northwestern. And now number here at 18. Like I said two weeks ago when I, when I did the mock draft for the Dolphins, skilled players will come. And luckily here, they got Devontae Smith, wide receiver at Alabama, that fell to 18 to them. I mean... Miami adds another pass catcher to go along with Will Fuller, Devonte Parker. This dude is probably the best route runner in the draft. He's small, undersized. Uh, I think he's coming in at like a buck seventy, buck seventy-five. A little bit bigger than I thought he was when he weighed in and measured. Uh, but he's a route runner. And what do you say? You just can't miss on a lot of these route runners. He's electric when he gets the ball in his hands. He can make he can make any cornerback miss. I think he's going to come in right away, be a slot guy and have a chance to really dominate give to somebody an easy you know over the middle kind of guy a deep kind of ball thrower which will fuller is is that receiver Devontae smith can be that kind of receiver too i look at Devontae smith he kind of just reminds me a little bit of some marvin harrison type of player marvin harrison a little undersized but that dude was tough as shit and he can run routes better than anybody else, the wide receiver in the league at that time so that's kind of my comp for Devontae smith and miami is able to sit here and get a wide receiver at 18. Now, look, I know in the real draft, it's not going to be Devontae Smith. This is my draft. Miami's not, Devontae Smith is not falling to 18. If he does, I mean, Miami should just, you know, praise. They should raise their hand, immediately take him, put the card in. I don't, he's not going to get there. But that doesn't mean Rashad Bateman can't be here, or Kadavius Tooney can't be here, or Wallace from LSU, or wh- whoever wide receiver they think pretty big on. Maybe they don't even go anybody here. Maybe they trade out of this 18 pick and add some second or third rounders. That's very possible for Miami here at this 18 spot. They got their tackle. You're out of your offensive line. If you can get a playmaker here, if you can get a wide receiver here, do it. Running back here, I could, I could see them do like a, a Travis Etienne, maybe a Najee Harris, but I don't know. I'm I'm very opposed to taking running backs in the first round, especially in you know in in the top 20. At 18, it's a little too high for my blood. I would rather take a wide receiver. You know, if, if Smith is there, Bateman is really good. I like I like Marshall. There, there's some good guys out there. And I think Miami can do a lot with this 18 pick because they got number six. I believe they're going to go tackle. You know, who knows? They could go Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts if they're on the board. I believe they should go tackle. I believe they will go tackle. And at 18, they have a lot of wiggle room to maybe trade out, maybe grab a receiver. Maybe, hell, maybe they go, you know, let's get a running back. I don't think that's the play, especially because they signed Malcolm Brown. They got like three or four running backs that can rotate it out pretty well. Miami, Miami can do a lot here at this 18 spot. I think this is definitely going to be another number to watch on uh, draft night. Number 19, the Washington football team. You are on the clock. At 19, finally, the fifth quarterback will come off the board. The Washington football team led by Ron Rivera will take quarterback Mac Jones out of Alabama. This is just a good fit here. It's just a good fit. Ron Rivera gets a young quarterback that gets to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick if he's not ready to play. And even if he is ready to play, then he gets to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman in this league, someone that's been on, I don't know, what, like nine, 10 NFL teams. He's been on almost the entirety of the NFC, uh, the AFC East. So he, he gets a young guy here on a rookie contract at the 19th spot, not in the top five, not when you're paying him $30 million. No, you get him at 19. So you get him in the low 20s with still a fifth year option. If Mac Jones is here at 19, I think this is the spot I think Washington takes him here. Because Ron Rivera goes, fuck it, let's make a swing. We got we got Fitzpatrick. If he can't beat out Fitzpatrick, then he'll sit behind Fitzpatrick and learn for a year and then we'll bring him up. If he's no good, then we'll cut his ass because we got him at 19th. Is it a first round a first round waste? Sure. I don't think Mac Jones is not going to be any good though. I think Mac Jones with Ron Rivera. A very similar kind of quality of a Nick Saban, old school, hard, tough nose, do your job type of coach. Very, very, uh, but a player's coach as well that relate to him. I think Matt Jones and Ron Rivera fit really well here. I think this is the. I think Matt Jones can be very successful in Washington because he'll have a great defense to lean on. He'll have a couple of good skill players, Antonio Gibson in the backfield, Terry McLaurin on the outside. If they can add another piece. To the playmaking ability, give Mac Jones something else to spread it around. Maybe a tight end here in the future. Another wide receiver in a later round. Mac Jones, 19 to the Washington... Sorry, I almost said the the, the wrong word, the R word. Number nine to, to the Washington football team. I think it fits. And I, and I think Mac Jones... I think this is about where you draft Mac Jones. I, I, if you don't draft him here, you don't take him in the first round. To me, Mac Jones is not a top 10 or 15 player in this draft. He's just not. But because he's a quarterback, he's going to go high. He just is. He's not going to... I don't think Mac Jones gets to 19. I think he goes somewhere between 3 and 12. Anywhere between 3 and 12, I think he goes. If he slips the 15 to the Patriots, I think they pull the trigger. I don't think he slips that far. I think the Patriots will eventually move up if they really want him to get him at a higher number. But 19 right here, Mac Jones. Look, Mac Jones can come in and be pretty successful. I I hate the Tom Brady uh, uh, comparisons. I hate it. I hate most comparisons, though, because it's like, oh, who does this guy remind you of? Well, he reminds me of, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, he reminds me of the uh, greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. What? No. He reminds me of a quarterback. <laughs> Can he move? Can he not move? That's what I need to know. Can he throw? Can he not throw? What what are what are, what are his best arm angles for his best routes? You know, is he a good intermediate thrower, short thrower, deep thrower? I, I I don't like a lot of these comparisons. I do them as well, but like if you noticed, I'm not comparing. You know, like I compare, like I understand I compare Devonte Smith to Marvin Harrison, but to me that's a good comp, and it's a twenty year separation from when the last time that guy played. I'm not comping current people in the NFL. I can give. Well, he he gives me a, you know Zach Wilson gives me a little bit of a Aaron Rodgers twitch. That I'll take. But I'm not gonna take. Yeah, when he throws the football, reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. What the f I, I just I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Mac Jones doesn't have a comp in this league. Because if it did, honestly, Mac Jones' comp would be more like Jared Goff. That's 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 my opinion. He he's he's a mixture between Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. Ugh. I mean, if those two had a baby, he'd probably be one good looking kid, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be a good quarterback, I don't think. So I, I think Mac Jones could be viable at 19 for the Washington football team. Number 20, last one of the day, the Chicago Bears, you are on the clock. Ugh, Ryan Pace and the Bears need a lot. Another edge rusher, a tackle, definitely a quarterback, linebacker, wideouts. You know, it's hard to say, it's hard to say where to go. Uh, but with the loss of Kyle Fuller, I think is a good one is a big one. It's going to be impactful for that defense. Uh so they just go out, they're going to go out and get Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback from Northwestern. Long arm, quick cornerback, superior instincts, just like his dad. His dad, all pro, If pro bowler multiple years of his whole career. He's a plug and play guy. He could step in and add some serious impact to that secondary from day one. You know, it was between this and an edge rusher. I think Chicago right now, I think they can wait to the second or third rounder and get a nice interior edge rusher. I mean, a nice interior rusher or maybe in an outside edge rusher. I think the play here with the loss of Kyle Fuller, having to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year. I think you just gotta get a corner that can, that can try to stay with Devontae Adams as much as possible, rotating guys in and out and keeping that at its limits and not have Rodgers beat you. A corner like Asante can come in and definitely give some juice to, uh, to that secondary. He could step in, like I said, day one and make a play. So there you go. Asante Samuels, number 20, uh, for the Chicago Bears. So there we go. We got, uh, 16 through 20. 16, the Cardinals take Jalen Waddle. 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're gonna go and take linebacker Jeremiah Owosu Koamoa out of Notre Dame. Washington football team takes quarterback Mac Jones from Alabama. And the Chicago Bears, they'll take cornerback Asante Samuels Jr. from Northwestern. Okay, that's probably gonna do it for today. A little bit of a shorter pod today. Um Thursday, Thursday would be a good pod. A little more interesting. Look, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to come up with content, especially right now. We're, we're 10 days away from the draft. Really nothing in free agency happening anymore. It's pretty much just the same draft rumors over and over again. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, fish for a little content. So, you know, a little bit of a shorter pod, but, you know, sometimes instead of trying to make a big long pod, if I just get, you know, three or four nice good subjects to talk about 30, 40 minutes, I take that over a nice, you know, hour pod or just kind of procrastinate anything. So nice short pod today, but I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Uh, It's going to be a beautiful one, at least where I'm at. So I will talk to you guys all on Friday. Have a good one. Be safe. God bless. Peace.